Welcome to the podcast From Depression to Expression. I'm your host, Oliver Schirach. I have struggled for many years with low energy, self-worth and depression, which have hindered me to truly live my life and express the beauty that is within me. To help myself, I started to learn a lot of things. After many years, I feel ready to share what I've learned with you. You're at the right place if you want to find out more about what is depression, what can cause it and how to get out of it again. It's either for you or for someone you know. We will be going out into realms that are not yet accepted by mainstream. We will be talking about the effects of food on your emotions, being unaware of your emotions, shadow work, triggers, soul retrieval, awakening, dark night of the soul, near-death experiences and much more. Some of those shows would be just me talking about things that are on my heart and what I learned lately. Other shows are with guests from around the world which will share their knowledge with us and broaden our horizons. Those guests can be scientists, shamans, medicine men or women, therapists, personal coaches and of course people that went through depression themselves and sharing their experience, what they learned by finding out who they are. Follow me on this journey to learn more about how to overcome depression. Learn to accept and love yourself truly. So we can embrace our authentic self unapologetically and start expressing who we are without fear, but with joy and lightness. Please remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and share this episode with someone you know that needs to hear this information. So without any further ado, let's get into today's show. And well, welcome. Hello, everyone. This is an episode of from depression to expression. And today I have the pleasure to talk to Neha Soni, which is the author of Wired for Self-Love, a new book that is coming out or is out when this podcast is live. And I had the pleasure to talk to Neha Soni on my other podcast, The Oliver Shira Show, about a year ago and her story and her favorite colors and secrets so, so many people know <laughs> can be heard there. So welcome again. Thank you so much, Oliver. It's a pleasure to be back on your second podcast. <laughs> yes, yeah, second, second interview, second podcast. <laughs> mm -hmm. You yourself are a podcast host. And as I just mentioned, author of a book, you're a speaker, you're a personal coach and everything in your world is around love that's right and uh, relationships and self-finding right so we've been dabbling in that uh, uh, in the first episode and your favorite color i cannot leave it out is turquoise because everything on the video is uh, for the ones which see the video everything around you is turquoise and white so teal, <laughs> teal. teal, turquoise, everything in that range. <laughs> yeah, it's very prominent here in this video now in the setting setup you have, and the people will realize you're in Hong Kong, I'm in Denmark, so there's a bit of a time difference. So you just mentioned you will have a sunset <laughs> coming 
while I'm hopefully having a little bit more sun because it's morning for me. <laughs> so we haven't really talked much since we had the interview, but a lot happened. You were writing a book. You were doing a lot of self-finding. So how has mm -hmm. that process been for you? Why did you write the book? Before I say why I wrote the book, um, it's not like I thought I would write the book. I, I never thought about it in the first place. Like I thought maybe once I'm in my 50s, I would think about <laughs> writing a book. But then that kind of happened. Um, the opportunity arrived 10 years early. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was there. It just, it was there. I think timing was perfect. Um, and I was already in touch with uh, my book coach. I had, I had seen his uh, talks. I, have, I had studied his material. I kind of we built a report together. And uh, he's a self-published author. So the program I entered was a self-publishing. Uh, so I, 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 this book is self-published. And um, interestingly, um, I thought that, okay, I know everything I need to know about self-love. I've, I've been meditating all of these years, doing so much work on myself. So I thought this book is going to be very easy to write. Well, um, Oliver, and for the listeners, uh, you will be interested to find that I was procrastinating. The self-love person that I call myself, self-love advocate, was procrastinating and had all the issues that come up with procrastination and the core of that happened to be my ego was in the way. And I discovered that and I talk about it, how I overcome that. And this, you ask me why I wrote this book before I say why I wrote this book, I will tell you this. It was important for me to write this book because um, I was about to preach the world. So I thought it's a good idea to take my own advice <laughs> and, and actually practice what I have to teach the world. If I don't practice it, how can I teach them? So I had to, I, this book actually taught me to deepen my relationship with myself and really practice, put that all that the things that I learned about self-love to put that to practice even more deeply. So this was all about discipline. Writing your book, I realized is so much about discipline. Writing changes your brain. So now that I'm out of that process, I feel like I don't think there could have been another way to have um, written this book, it came up in the best way possible. That I, I don't have a why I wrote this book. Now, I, now that I have written it, I realize that if people, whoever reads this book, if they come out a little bit more integrated and at peace with themselves, a little bit more confident, a little bit more guidance, a little bit more um, love, for themselves, compassion for themselves, my book will have achieved its purpose. Mm. 
yeah, yeah, more more self love, more self acceptance. What the book is about, right? <clears throat> yeah, sorry, people. When I have a frog in my throat, <laughs> somehow <laughs> I told me how already I drank some water. Don't want to overdo it, otherwise uh, we have to stop in between. Uh, but I got the the pleasure to actually read the book before it's launched, and uh, mm -hmm. also to give some feedback. And um, it's really it is it's a blend between you know teaching and storytelling for me and you also mention it in the book you know you start reading and then somewhere in the middle of the book you you, you come and mention the procrastination that you just got stuck that you thought you know it all and why should you go out and research more and it, then you started meditating on it and what did it, you say <clears throat> what was it coffee or Caffeine intake increased and chips or whatever food to not work. And yeah. you used one of your tools. What was the tool you used to actually find out that your ego is in your way? Um, if I look back now, I realized I was procrastinating and then I came to know, okay, what, what, what was I actually doing? So procrastination, that's when I understood I was procrastinating and then I stopped having uh, tea. <laughs> because I was having tea, that was my escape. Um, and baking bread, that was my escape. So it's like, because I cannot complete a like the task of researching, I go and do other things that are less important. But because I'm accomplishing a little something it makes me feel like I am you know crushing a little something so anything like eating something also is going to be like oh I finished doing something instead but of what you wanted eating. exactly but this is the thing with emotional eating I realized like you I was eating away at my emotions and a lot of people do this without even realizing this is unconscious this is subconscious so because you don't want to face those those negative emotions the the ego of course doesn't like to change anything that is different is challenging it is unsafe so why should i do that i was going through all of those emotions so um i it's not like the it's not the first time that i had removed tea from my diet so i said let me try this then I removed tea from my diet. And so together with the tea, the bread and everything goes away. And then I just, I experienced caffeine withdrawal and I know it's horrible. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, bore, I was bearing through those headaches. And after I came out of that, I was really focused. And I just, bam, went through the the step-by-step -step of all the the research that I needed to do I said now there is no stopping me there is complete focus you have my full attention Neha let's do this you have wasted enough time over this you have procrastinated enough and now teach this to others yeah because, because it is <clears throat> in the book right uh, yeah. So it looks like it was not planned to be in there, but you experienced it, but it fits so well with self-love. Absolutely. Because, because the more self-love and self-acceptance, but we go in there, you have, the more you will achieve. So you learned you were procrastinating 
and I think to remember you procrastinate because your ego thought you are the expert, you're a coach on self-love, so you know it all. So why should I research? Because I have it all. Yeah. And yeah. and by realizing that you're procrastinating by making tea, uh, drinking coffee, uh, black tea, I assume, right? So it wasn't green tea. <laughs> um, and um, baking right. bread and, and yeah. eating, you're like, what am I doing? And then like, oh, I'm procrastinating. Well, why am I procrastinating? Oh, because I feel like I'm an expert, so I don't need to do this thing. But yeah. it's inside you, you know you should do it. So now you have this yeah. inner conflict. <clears throat> yeah, and that's where. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, <clears throat> thank you for reminding me because this is this is where it's very, very easy to uh, get upset and angry with myself and say, what are you doing? How can you do this? Why can't you just get over yourself and all that? Instead, I thought, how can I be more loving to myself? And instead of being harsh, I mean, I have been dealt with in a harsh way. So that would be like my go-to method, but it takes like, you know, a different kind of strengths so like to pull back and stay present to my habits in order for me to undo those and do different be different how can I be kinder to myself that's where I talk about the self-compassion when people are not able to control their their food uh, their diets it's hard for them instead of um, just shaming or hating themselves not feeling good about themselves instead if they say I know you did something that is not in alignment with you you feel like you've done something wrong but it's okay you are human and we learn from our mistakes mm-hmm. we can be better let's try let's give us another chance yeah so i gave myself another chance <laughs> yeah and, and you finished the book and um i was so happy i also wrote uh, um, a little review from my side <clears throat> so for me it was feeling for the last two three years that i'm consciously going down this spiritual self-finding self-growing mm. accepting path because i've been for too long crying out and asked for help but yeah. the system normally of course i must have had a few psychologues which gave me some advice but it was on the surface when i had so many layers to actually remove that it didn't go where it should um mm. so um it for me it was kind of a gathering of many of these different teachings i learned mm. you know from different from books from podcasts from ted talks whatever it is so i was like wow this is so nice and we also write it in a way which is very simple like you go Mm. very on a simple way there's no you need to stand on one leg and put the other one cross-legged over and then the hands over your head and now you breathe in through through the head in your belly and you think of and you will (laughs) and you do that a hundred times now it's very simple so they have very simple mm. applicable tools throughout the book so mm. thank you i <laughs> i really love it so i, I want to reread it and reread it and have a lot of different highlights so 
the book is about self-love. What is self-love? Self-love is developing the discipline to understand that you can be better. And from being better, you can do better and have better. Knowing yourself and taking the time to know yourself so that you can be in touch with your own wisdom. There is tons of information outside on the internet and the books and social media, but where in the world do they teach you about you? Who are you? Who could you be? Who are you without your limiting beliefs? Mm-hmm. How will you find that out? Those answers come from the space of self-love and developing the discipline to, to deeply listen to yourself. And by listening to yourself, I mean listen to your body because it communicates to you. Listen for the thoughts that come up because you are the person who is listening with yourself for the rest of your life. You've been there. So you talk to yourself all the time. But are you talking uh, nonsense or are you talking sense? Are you talking to yourself in a loving way? So if you communicate in the, in the language that where you feel loved, appreciation for yourself, do you think you can do better? I believe so. Yeah, so it's, it's basically... You also mentioned in the book a lot about self-acceptance, you know, uh-huh. you, you have, um, you start the book uh, that self-love is only available for you or possible if you self-accept yourself. No, it's of course. Self. <laughs> self-accept yourself. Okay, that's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, you, got right, it. <laughs> you, you 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 mentioned I, I think it was like a three-step process to mm. get to self-love. Um, but how can you mention it here? Self-acceptance is basically to listen to your own thoughts. How do you talk to yourself? Accept the way yes. you are at the moment, but also understand that you can be more. And mm. we are not more because we have these limiting beliefs. Mm. Uh, and these limiting beliefs they are based on core beliefs i think you were talking about yeah. right and yeah. you have also an exercise about finding out what are your core beliefs yeah of course i took your list and then i started to highlight them and then i went yeah. on the internet immediately to get a list of 200 <laughs> core beliefs wow um i didn't look at them but um i thought like the list you give gave me a good picture are you talking right? about core beliefs or values i know that was values sorry yes there we go ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know the values there's a huge list but yeah. for convenience this is what i was advised to do and i think it's good to have at least something uh, it's, a, it's a good to... list it's a good sorry yeah, yeah values <clears throat> it's a good list yes. but how is that that now 
yeah, now that I made the mix up here. So now is the core beliefs, <laughs> um, limiting beliefs and values connected, if they're connected? Mm, so core beliefs are usually, I am not good enough. I am not worthy of love. I am um, just a lot of, a lot of I am blah, blah, blah uh, beliefs whatever it is and they are formed when you're very young and too young to have like an understanding of uh what those even mean but it's from your immediate environment your caregivers communication that is going on around you your parents your teachers beliefs about money beliefs about relationships belief about yourself are you worthy all of those things so that's how those are formed and then your values your values are how you live your life on a daily basis because you decide your priorities based on that so it's better to know what those are what your core values are and i would say come down to five of those and understand what those are and how you are living your values and so what and one way to find out if you're in alignment or not is to say okay if i pay if if i get money for this particular value am i going to give it up which means that uh, if i let's say give for example if my value is health and if someone gives me okay here's one thousand dollars here have this uh, piece of heavy uh, cream laden cake Am I going to give up on that value of mine before a thousand dollars? If I'm getting, if I'm taking those thousand dollars and and giving up my value, that means that's not a core value. It's it's not my value. So I that's a challenge. So we live our uh, daily life based on value. So it's good to know how we are making those decisions. But you talk about core beliefs. Our core beliefs are running the show. The core beliefs are coming from our subconscious. And one of the ways I, I mentioned in the book, uh, and I talk deeply about meditation, and this is where meditation comes very handy, is where you come to know, because in meditation, if you do it right, you will come to a place where you are able to listen to yourself and hold yourself in that space uh, where you can detach from everything that is going on, but just watch and witness yourself. So even the thoughts that are going on in your mind, you will be able to catch them. Oh, this was a thought. And this was a thought I had, and you need to really slow down in order for you to do that. So meditation allows you to do that. And then when you realize through meditation, you come to know that this was, this was something that I was told, but is this true? And through meditation, this is what I learned for myself. And if people, if other people also learn about themselves, what the world cannot tell them, nobody can tell them about themselves, they will learn through meditation. So this is where my core beliefs about myself were challenged. I was told I was worthless. I was useless. I'm not going to make anything of myself um, through childhood. But then um, I reflect, I, 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 
I see myself in reflection to in a reflection of the relationships I have um, and how I'm improving on myself as a person every day. What work am I putting in? Am I better than before yesterday? Am I kinder to myself? Am I kinder to my child? Am I being better than what I what I have seen? And so what I was told about myself, how true is that in my life today? Just because I was told I'm unworthy of love, does it mean I do not deserve love? So there, there is this contrast over here. I'm like, oh, I was told this, but is that you stand to question yourself. Like that's where you question your core beliefs. Yeah, exactly. So I was- Challenge them. Yeah, I, there's of course core beliefs, values, meditation, your story. So that's like, um, try to somehow bind it together. So do you think, <clears throat> I do not remember what you wrote in the book, <laughs> but core, <clears throat> sorry, my frog is really here. It's persistent today. Um, the core beliefs, are they indirectly or directly um, uh, influencing your values? So the way how you choose during the day, as you said, I am a healthy person and I'm always eating salad and healthy beef because some people need meat, right? And then don't eat cake. But if you give me a thousand dollars, I will eat a cake. Um you think these core beliefs you have are influencing the values and when you start to understand the core beliefs you you're holding i'm not good enough i, I will never make enough money um the this is how life is right i mean the core belief is like we have to work from eight what is it americans say nine to five <laughs> uh in, in switzerland it was more like eight to five or something like that this is a core belief right does that influence your values or are they really separated or will they change depending on how, when you find out what your core beliefs are and you can say, Hey, no, this is not true. This is just something I learned through politics, school, parents, friends, TV. <laughs> and, and now absolutely. I can, so they're absolutely yeah. connected. They would be there. They, they would be, I would look at them separately because if we put these two together, it may confuse the people even more. Yeah. That's why I have them in two separate chapters, dealing with them and working on the core beliefs separately, then realizing, okay, because value, our core values barely change. Sometimes our priorities become like go a little bit up and down, but our core beliefs will remain like if, oh, sorry, core values, core beliefs, we can change values. They don't change too much. So it's important to find out how we are living our values on a daily basis. If someone is, some, is, is valuing their health, let's say, then they will, okay, they start their day with exercise or, you know, I will take care of my health, drink water, whatever, whatever their routine is. So sticking with that, going to bed early, blah, 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 you know, eating healthy. That's, that's your way i mean if health is important to you you are going to live that value throughout your day you're going to make decisions about what i'm supposed to be eating oh so you're going to make a healthier choice between two that are given on a given day okay Make sense? 
yeah, it's now what it doesn't make sense in my case, <laughs> in my personal mm. case, is like for mm. me, bodily, emotionally, spiritual health. I, I mean, for me, for a long time, it was only the body, right? You know, we're on the world, uh, we are in a, how to say, it's physical. in a physical world, right? It's there's everything yeah, you can damage. touch and you can feel it, right? Um, so the physical health was always very important, yet. Uh, for example, yesterday for the podcast, I'm like, okay, I have to take some pictures because I want to make the logo. And I went to bed at 12. Mm. Uh, now I was too um, active in my mind to, to fall asleep. So I had like a tense sleep. And I knew that from before. And so I, I have a lot of these decisions where I'm doing, but I know health is very important. So I want to work out i want to go in the fresh air i want to have enough vitamin d omega-3s because i know these are very important elements in our body for general health um now through the last three three years consciously <laughs> and unconsciously much much longer the the emotional health or the spiritual yeah. health um is also important and yet i see myself not honoring those values I found out for myself. Do you know what could be in your experience with other people you have been coaching, right? You, you also have, I don't know, remember how many, three, four, five people you mentioned their story a bit throughout the book uh, as yeah. examples, how different elements of your coachings are working and you can experience. What would you say to someone like me, which says, I have the feeling general health, you know, body, mind, spirit is important yet, I'm not always respecting it. Mm -hmm. uh, the missing ingredient is, an, is, a, is again, the developing the discipline, which is again, part of the self-love. How can you be kinder to yourself? Yes, you know, you want to take good pictures, but then you know, keeping yourself that busy and occupied is going to affect your sleep. So honoring your you know you so this is this is proof for other people you know yourself better now what would not now here's the action part what are you going to do differently next time so that you are able to sleep better because you honor your value of health yeah. and like your yeah, sleep mental health also sleep also affects us emotionally like you have a good sleep you're not going to be grudgy in the morning right yeah. Yeah, deep sleep is important. Oh, or you will take care to meditate before going to bed, something like that. Meditation is great for uh, mental health, emotional well-being, because it helps you to regulate uh, yourself emotionally. You don't take, you're not, you're able to witness your emotions and not be taken over by them. So they're not running the show for you exactly oh now you just opened two doors i mean i have to all the time when I'm... <laughs> people wait to listen to me they know i'm getting triggered and triggered in a positive way right now let's call the trigger positive here because triggers can be negative and i know that out of own experience uh let's see if we get there yeah. um one is the meditation you talk a lot about meditation so i'm like curious how you define meditation and what meditation is and the other one was emotional you know, awareness, basically, mm -hmm. because of being run by the emotions or run the emotions. Mm. Yeah. Uh, meditation. 
So uh, meditation is a great tool that is at your disposal. Meditation uh, helps you really get to know yourself. And I won't say there is one right way and my way, the highway to do meditation. You have to try different things and do stick to one that works for you. This is the message I will give to the listeners. But what, yeah, what is meditation? I mean, it's a good tool, but what is it? Is it yeah. like uh, calming your mind? Is it calming your ah. breath? Is it calming your emotions? Is it, you know, I know mm. as you say, there's many modalities. I mean, some people are visualizing a flame. Yeah. And right now I have the flame from Bethlehem here. I showed it to you before. And, and mm. then all the thoughts and feelings and everything goes in that flame. But that's not for mm. many people. Others are just yeah. imagining the void or looking yeah. at thoughts looking at feelings others have heard they just said see all the thoughts and in the beginning it could be an hour you sit there and you just let let yourself be filled with all the thoughts and feelings you have until they dissipate so but what is it Mm. for you these are like some examples that come up in my mind Mm. so i would say witnessing yourself meditation would be witnessing yourself and being as present as possible and that this is here is the interesting part. It doesn't necessarily so meditation can be anything for anyone that makes them as present as possible. Fully present to yourself in your body, connected with your breath. Anything that helps someone do that and be and then be with themselves and not judging. And the least, I would say, having the least number of thoughts. That's a meditative state. Yeah, when you get there. Or no, whatever, whatever that is for anyone. For some, it comes to closing your eyes, for them, like how you say it, watching a candle. So you figure out one way and then you stick with that. Yeah. Um, do you have any practice we could try in, in this episode? Mm, normally, I just to let you know and the listeners as well for meditation to like just for you to start to feel the effect of meditation it would take um 20 minutes to get to that state so uh, i would be very happy to share um on a different episode because this particular one is for wired for self-love but i would have a gift for the listeners as well because i have a guided meditation which i have recorded and anyone that is starting off um choose a guided meditation um and like just start with that because you don't know and then you don't want to uh, go like oh what am i supposed to do fight my thoughts uh breathe uh what or i was thinking about this and oh my god my friend did this and not not catching the tail of your thought and just going like running around that you don't want to do that that's why it's okay to start with guided meditations um and i'm happy to to share that uh, with with your listeners as well but meditation okay here's the thing um give me a moment over here here's the thing that i would say for your listeners fall okay find your breath follow your breath follow your breath 
this is what I will say. Every single time you are distracted, you come back to wherever you were, whatever you were doing, sitting and doing your meditation, you will get distracted. And there is just because you get distracted, oh no, I can't focus, I'm a bad meditator, blah, blah, blah. Again, that's, that silly talk goes on in your mind and you're judging yourself. No, you're, 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 there, there isn't enough training. You haven't received enough training to do that or you haven't trained yourself to sit with yourself. That's why you, when you come back to yourself, come back to your breath, start at your breath and follow your breath, that's when you will um, understand what you need to do and how you're going to you know how when you go to the gym you don't go to the gym for six hours a day and then for the rest of the week nothing you do it every day and you take bath every day you brush your teeth every day same thing you do it every single day it's like flossing for the mind and when you are doing this like you're going to the gym and you are pumping iron or whatever it is you're doing, you're repeating that movement, you're building your muscle. Same thing. When you are sitting with yourself and coming back to yourself, remembering what were you doing? You were meditating. You will remember that, oh, this is, this is how you will build that mindfulness muscle. This is where you're going to build the muscle and the strength to come back to yourself. And after some time, your thoughts, you just have the ability to witness them and be more present to yourself. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's, uh, that's also what I've heard um, of different modalities. The, the more you do it, the, the more you can distinguish the different feelings, thoughts, um, of yourself, right? So you start to understand yourself better. You start to see the feelings and thoughts you have during the day more. Uh, and the focus improves, I heard some people say, you know, by, by actually meditating, you practice, you know, your focus muscle as well. Absolutely. You're able to uh, strengthen your focus and stay more present to whatever it is that you're doing. It develops patience. You know, <laughs> how many people, how many patient people do you meet on a regular basis? Hello, listeners, you can tell me, <laughs> you know, who can patiently sit there and listen to you and not react, not, not just, they just be there. And instead, not waiting for their turn to finish and say, okay, I'm ready to talk. And I'm just waiting for her to finish or him to finish. And then I want to say, but being patient. When you have the ability to be patient with yourself, you can be there for others. But you don't want to do it because you have to do that for others. First, you have to do that for yourself. This is the core essence lessons of self-love. Mm -hmm. If you can't do that for yourself, how can you do it for others? Yeah. How can you hold that space for others? <laughs> so my podcasting is my self-meditation <laughs> because um, I practice to speak less and practice to wait longer uh, for my guests to answer than I normally do. So people which only know me from the podcast, <laughs> I will be surprised how much I'm talking when I'm not doing <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> 
You know that, right? I mean, like, normally, sense be like keep keep the voice messages on two minutes and not longer. <laughs> yeah absolutely so yeah, it, this is this is practice this is you know listeners are learning right here in this moment yeah and that's yeah. that's that's you sharing your your uh, lesson that's yeah, beautiful so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i have a, a few notes here on my list besides my really mm. big mind map i made from reading the book uh you talked before let's let's stay a little bit now we went to the meditation and and, and the core beliefs you, you talked a bit about the i'm not good enough you you share a lot of these different stories throughout the book and many of these mm. stories i haven't heard right we had the interview before we had a few talks before the first interview and after the first interview so i knew a few things yeah but it was really wow it was really hard for me to to hear some of the or read some of the things you mentioned from your childhood. I mean, some of your core beliefs, these negative core beliefs, you want to share some of these aha moments from you or from some of the people you mention in the book? So as examples? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I, uh, one of the stories I remember sharing um, was uh, my not feeling safe. And I grew up in a very unsafe environment because I witnessed a lot of uh, violence and there was definitely abuse, um, physical, emotional, mental, and verbal abuse. So because of that, I start, and I was, I felt emotional neglect uh, growing up, which made me think that my needs are not important. And besides, if there is um, anger and violence, how safe is a child going to feel? I don't want to reveal all the details on the show because I would love for people to, uh, as you mentioned, like it's not easy to read, but this was, this was, I went through this. So, uh, and I want to, the reason why I talk about this easily and openly is because there is no, I want people to know that they have to, there is no shame about this. When you talk about your own story and share vulnerably with others, then people will be able to relate with you. So I'm not this self-love guru who suddenly came out of somewhere without the experience of absolute self it's like you know self-hate you know I did not like myself I don't even know myself that was my existence I was I thought because of what I had experienced and what I had seen something like you know being uh, told you can't go to school you're you're not studying you're just useless worthless whatever so this made me feel like I don't deserve my my parents love and maybe I really did something wrong oh my god I'm such a bad girl I'm such a bad daughter that I displeased my parents so my this this becomes my behavior the, uh, for a very long time where I'm people pleasing right a lot of people are into people pleasing so why because hoping that once they're pleased they're going to be better and i will get their love we will we all want to be loved but uh, that didn't happen for me but does that mean 
just because that other person, even if it is my parent, they do not show love to me, does it mean I am unworthy of love? Right? That's, yeah, I am, that's, that's absolutely the, the core belief that I challenged. And this is somewhere, this is the biggest, um, my awakening happened when I myself became a mother, you know? And I remembered uh, how I was about to repeat that same violence that I grew up watching. And I remember my hand going all the way back and about to whack my two-year-old toddler. I, and I said, what? And I witnessed what I saw in his eyes was terror. And I remember the same expression, the same feeling I felt and how unsafe that is. And I said, how can I do this to my child? That's when I changed. So this, this thing that I carried with myself all of my uh, growing years, and this was unconscious until the day I realized the story that I was telling myself. I never felt safe anywhere uh, on, on the streets, even when I was growing up in Bahrain in, and when it was in Mumbai, I did not feel safe on the streets as a woman being, you know, um, sexually molested or just Eve teased, black, left, right and center. So it was really unpleasant to experience that and not feel safe as a woman to walk on earth. So can you imagine I am living that core belief? It's inside me in a vibrational state. I am unsafe. And this is coming, this was stemming from childhood, what I had experienced because of violence that I saw. So how safe is a child going to feel if they watch their parents uh, hitting them or their, their siblings or just fighting amongst each other as a couple, for example? How safe do they feel? And how, how do they feel about themselves and their future? Like, they have to be a certain way in order for to be loved, which means that they're acting as something else and someone else. They cannot be themselves. And can you imagine not being themselves for years of their life, since childhood, what that does to a person? How much it disconnects them from themselves and who they are? Yeah, I mean... The, the, a lot of flashes came through, um, of course, <laughs> mingled with what you wrote. You, you said, you know, the thing with your not being allowed to go to school, you were six, seven, eight years old, very small, right? I mean, imagine that like your mom just took your books and you're not going to school because you're not practicing, you're not studying, like what? And then, I mean, a, a kid in that age, how can you? I mean, a kid in that age wants to do other things as well doesn't mean it's bad in school so and, and then you try to make it up for it and and you would just like whatever right you have to excuse yourself even though you tried the best and you felt like you're so wrong and mm -hmm. you're not safe and then being on the streets right I'm a man all these things have then influenced you so and you say you looked at your son like you want to smack him um, mm -hmm. and you saw the fear in his eyes and not living yourself creates creates another personality, another identity. That's another thing you talk about, false yeah. self and identity. 
Yes, absolutely. So I was living for the for a very long period of time, like you mentioned, in a like I am not safe, I am not lovable, I am uh, not not good enough. All of those beliefs that I was living, you know. And so through a lot of reflection, meditation, I realized. But that didn't happen until after that wake up moment that I had that that moment that I. I just expressed, expressed to you, explained to you that what I witnessed in my son's eyes. And that was a wake up moment. And then I said, I have to change and I have to be a better person. I have to be, I'm going to be a better mother. It was a promise I had made to myself when I was 11 years old. So that was a remembrance of that. It was like an aha moment that I talk about also in one of the, the books or one of the chapters. And then like the developing developing that identity so that it doesn't happen it doesn't happen like okay i have to uh, be this person and i have to do different things no you are already starting to be a different person completely since day 1 because you have to change you can't be be in two two places at the same time this is when i talk about the identity you have to adopt and already start to be in a different way so if I am a kinder mother, how do I act? If I am going to speak kinder words, what am I saying? If I am going to show more love, how am I going to do that? I have to literally stop myself from saying and criticizing because all I remember and know since childhood, because that's what I heard, that was my programming, seeing the negative only seeing and looking at the negative uh, in a person and that's what like I was told all criticism that was that's something I grew up with and what is good about me I have no idea that but does that mean it doesn't exist in me I found out no it does exist but I can't I can bring it out it's underneath the layers of those um, beliefs that I have and I have and I find that out so so when I started to reflect on who it is that I have to become because I know I want to be a better mother. That's when I came to know, oh my goodness, I don't even have my own identity. I was a daughter and then I became a wife and then I became a mother, someone's daughter-in-law, blah, blah, blah. Who am I to myself? Uh, who am I as a woman? Who am I? I didn't know that. So this was, this was huge for me. And so as in an, it's like you're taking on a different identity. It's you giving yourself the power to be different. So, and, and then re, and through, the, through the process of getting to know yourself, you remove the, the false, the, the, the thing that you are not and become the thing that you are. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's a that's a a core part of many spiritual or personal teachings, right? To mm -hmm. to get rid of the layers of false self, wrong yeah. identity to to bring forth your true self, and that's also the podcast is a lot about you know from depression to expression. It's like mm -hmm. from these dark places of, of 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 not being able to express yourself, not able to be, and I think. Uh, let's see if, if how you see it but in this talk we have now 
I see mm-hmm. depression as a part. The depression is basically the expression of being a, tr- a wrong, false self, not having the right identity and suppressing yourself by the layers of wrong core beliefs of I'm not good enough, I'm not safe, I'm a woman, I cannot do this, Uh, work is like that, earning money is like that, Uh, expressing yourself should be like this, when I'm a woman, I have to act like this and that and this way. And and we know, I mean, I just remember Tim Ferriss again, when he talks about being an American, go to Japan, and then being plunged into Japan classes without English. And he was like, what the fuck? And, And then seeing how in Japan, things are so completely different then in America, I'm sure he lost a lot of core beliefs by being exposed to that. But if we are still in the same culture, still in the same environment, we are not really externally seeing that these core beliefs sometimes um, are not true. I mean, yes, I'm not good enough, etc. That can be all around the world. But I mean, basically how a woman has to live a life in society is completely different depending where you are in the world. The mm. same for a man. The same for a child, mm. the same mm. for work relationships between a boss and the employees is so different depending where you are in the world. But if you stay in your bubble, mm. it's reinforced, right? So depression is then, you know, believing all these core beliefs, <laughs> not being yourself, being a wrong person, and therefore you cannot express. And when you can remove these layers, and for you, one of the core elements is meditation. It could be also other spiritual teachings. It could be trauma treatment. It could be um, art treatment. It could be tantra uh, and so on and so forth, right? There's a lot of modalities which can help you to remove some of these identities and core beliefs. And mm. by that, you then come out and you start to to love yourself better. And you, you call it also, there's a habit of um, discipline, you need to be disciplined yeah. about self-love and do the things mm. uh, and then self-acceptance will come and then self-love will come forward and by that you're more yourself and automatically you will express yourself more so basically that's the past path from depression to expression by removing the false self mm. do i did i get that right from the talk so far i think or? so I think so. I mean, I w- I won't know fully because I don't think I've ever de- received like a um, depression diagnosis. But I won't be surprised if I may have had some of that. I think anybody who has gone, lived in that little bubble may have some elements of those. So I did have really, really uh, sad thoughts, definitely, and uh, thought differently of myself this is years ago um but i i i know besides like besides treating depression through i'm i'm not a i'm not trained to speak that on on that so much but i know how helpful uh meditation can be for mental health uh, and it's not i would say it should be prescribed more often <laughs> And then, then now, then the pills, you know, if people practice meditation, they can overcome a lot. And then, but I have to say one thing about meditation. It helped me, but I stayed stuck as well. It's the action that we take after, after the realization. That's where 
we start to do the rewiring. My book is called Wired for Self-Love. So when you take on that new identity, so Oliver Chirac, who is Oliver Chirac without the depressive thoughts? Who could he possibly be? If he were to express, what would he express? for example, and if he were to uh, uh, create something, what would he create? How would he be? All of those things. So if, if you can put yourself in a place where you can imagine that and make that list of things, then you can start to practice those as the, the more you start to practice those and you can take on different identities we do have like you know my identity as a mother my identity as a coach my identity as a wife my identity as a mother so many different same person but i have different identities and then how can i be a better mom how can i be a better person how can i be a better coach how can i be a better speaker all of those things yeah. These so you can different identities, but then so you choose you pick on one, and then you start to work on those. So I I would say that yes, I think what you were sharing with regards to depression, that may be very true, and there it is possible to bring yourself out because I have also I remember I became very creative, and when I was in a creative mode, I lost all sense of self, and I was very happy. So if if I can feel this way, I believe others can also feel that, and um, maybe if if everyone is prescribed meditation, they can, if they really, really need that medicine, medicine, they could, but if they are practicing meditation, at least try it out. It is non-intrusive and it's got nothing to do with any religion whatsoever. I only focus on the breath and everybody breathes. <laughs> so, so just focus on your breath and follow your breath and see what you can discover about yourself yeah i remember now that you said it you mentioned in the book as well that a trigger for many people is meditation uh, somehow feels connected to any religion right so mm -hmm. people from whatever religion they are they say yeah but meditation is i don't know yogi style or buddhistic or whatever it is but it's it's not it's um, all religion i mean praying to some degree is a meditation um i would say but of course you can there's of course differences but they're very similar i mean looking at jesus's words i've been listening to many i'm like wow that actually makes sense right the way he apparently has explained it it's it's basically meditation right fill your heart with with love and acceptance and gratitude um yeah it's kind of also a meditation right it's a gra gratitude journal when you really feel the gratitude uh, you, you forget everything else. Like you said, when you were truly creative, you forgot yourself and you were happy. So I think when, yes. you, when you really focus on what you have and what you're grateful for, kind of something similar is happening there. Um, yeah, and it's a different vibrational state. Yeah, yeah, a vibration. I mean, it's so difficult to explain it differently because you feel it in your body. It's kind of like this warm feeling around the chest. It's kind of... Right, it's kind of like it really feels like a vibration. So how how to explain it differently? It's it's hard. <laughs> yeah, and I I love that you say it's uh, you feel it in the body. 
a lot of the time people remain so much up in their head and and the mind and then i don't know if this is mentioned in that like i don't think it's mentioned in the book but the mind has been given way too much power as if it's the be all and end all but staying up here you and people start to think about their emotions rather than feeling it, feeling them and that's about emotional awareness i mean don't remember if we actually <laughs> really talked about it but what is your take on emotional awareness that that's the start of this new podcast series because i broke my hand because i was yeah of course somehow i was aware of my anger frustration but the, the deeper emotions below that i still don't know yes. uh mm. after i got the screws out of the hand i have come i came in a similar situation where i just wanted to slam the hand in the wall i felt hulk is doing it as well he can just redesign the whole apartment so why can i not um mm. yeah because i'm <laughs> not that strong and I just was able to hold in. I'm like, okay, what do I feel? And there was nothing. There was just this emptiness. And I'm like, okay, it's weird, strange, right? So, so there are layers underneath to, there's a lot of work to be more aware of emotions. Mm-hmm. And as you said, meditation is one way to go. Did, yeah. What did you actually learn? I mean, the one question following me the whole interview now, when after you presented the path for writing, right? Not the why, but how you just kind of stumbled into it and all these, the procrastination. What did you learn through the process of writing that as a person? How, what, how did you change as a person? More aware of, of certain things or what changed for you? Uh, definitely more aware. But uh, why I say writing this book changed me is because a, I know uh, now that writing is powerful, but it, it would be this powerful, I didn't know. But there is this one chapter, while I, this is um, trivia, like just interesting information for the listeners. Uh, I got feedback from writing the first draft. And so there is this one chapter on shadow work. I talk about integrating the shadow. Um, and uh, I think it's chapter eight or something. So. I wrote that chapter and I got feedback from my coach. He said, my book coach, he said, what, this is a very well-written chapter. What did you do differently here? And I want you to, whatever it is that you have applied to this chapter, go and apply to every other chapter. (laughs) I'm like, okay. So I will tell you this and all the listeners as well. So every single sentence I wrote in that chapter, I did not realize until that point, until I had gotten that feedback that I felt, felt each and every sentence I wrote in the process of shadow work. Because I talk about how you, all those steps, I can't, it's a very different state of mind. I have to feel it and then I have to write it. Very different state of mind. I was blown away by that information that I received. I'm like, wow, I can't. And right now, if I have to tell, to tell you about the shadow work, I have to go into that feeling in order to talk about it. 
Can you believe that? Okay, I, 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 yeah. I, I won't ask you then about the shadow work. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, as I said, you have so many chapters and so many tools. I mean, yeah. uh, it would take way too long to discuss everything. Mm -hmm. But the shadow work, definitely, honestly, um, now, now that you mention it, this was one of the chapters to say, wow, this is so simple explained. And for the mm -hmm. people which do not know shadow work, which are new because they saw depression to expression, uh, from sorry because there's another podcast called depression to expression so i call it from because i really i feel this is so simplified of what i tried to get i couldn't figure out of a title you know mm. but this is basically really short explaining what I, i'm looking for is helping people right and, and so if you're just drawn to it because of the title shadow work um there's like I've seen different, the integral methodology from Ken Wilbur is very deep, very complicated. But in the end, what you say, it's just the simplicity of it. As I said, the whole book is written so simple for anyone yeah. to apply it. Really, all these different practices are really simplified, I think. Uh, so shadow is anything that triggers you, anything that you are criticizing in other people, sometimes in yourself, and you do not want to accept in yourself. But you can also have light shadow. That's what I learned from Ken Wilber, which makes sense. Everything you're jealous in other people, that they are doing something. Or look at how good they are drawing or painting, because that's a part of yourself you want to express. But for some reason, yeah, false, false self, wrong identity, wrong core beliefs, you're not expressing them. But you feel triggered in a, in a, yeah, in a jealous way. Right. Oh, I would love to, but I cannot. Um, or, you know, you put posters up all your room about these people and you're just worshiping them. You put them on a pedestal. Let's say, I don't know. I grew up with Schwarzenegger Stallone. That's coming up into my mind. And um, uh, yeah, that's just what comes to mind. Michael Jackson for someone else, big guy. They probably had the whole room full of Michael Jackson pictures. And they mm. probably are very good in dancing or singing, but they do not do it because their parents, their friends are bringing them down. So that's a light shadow. Other things where you really get pissed, oh, that person always does this. It's a part you do not accept inside yourself. Mm. And of course, it's about uh, accepting these shadows so you can transfer them, uh, so you get over them. But read the book about the shadow work. I definitely that's definitely one of the chapters which I said this is very good. Plus the values. That was also very interesting. And Ikai, what is this Japanese? Ikigai. 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 You, Ikigai yeah. you really put it up and like, wow, this graphic we see for so many different coaches. And it's wrong because they yeah. just put it together and someone had a big book which has been sold. And now everyone uses that diagram. That's also very nicely described in the book. I guess that's from your research you did, or? Absolutely. <laughs> and so uh, whenever I see, and oftentimes, you know, for both of us, we're present on LinkedIn. Uh, I see many coaches going in and like, you know, talking, just literally picking up that diagram from Google and throwing it on LinkedIn and talking about, I'm going to take you through this. And I'm like, my goodness, oh, those people. They have no idea. They need to read my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna share it, right? You write some I have. posts. Yes, I have. 
have. Yeah, I have. And so, like, for, for your listeners, I, I loved uh, because when I came across shadow work, I can't remember how I stumbled across it, but that work blew me away. And the more, like, this is the most important part because it helps you integrate parts of you that you do, that you just put, like, parts of you that are that you don't want to accept. They can be good and they can be bad. They can be ugly. Doesn't matter. Even good parts about you because somebody kind of put that in the darkness and they, they presented it to you in a very different light. You say, maybe that's not the best and all that stuff. So somebody, you drew a piece of art and for a, for a five-year-old, you drew a masterpiece. Oh my God. But your teacher said, oh, you could have done better. This, the, this color would have done, been better, blah, blah, whatever. That teacher was mindless about their comment on a five-year-old's book on work. But you took that belief and then now, because that teacher said something, someone said years ago, you say, no, I'm not a good artist. So you suppress that art, right? So that's where you challenge that core belief, where that core belief is coming from. And then doing the steps of shadow work, I found a lot of material, but the process that I talk about is something that I, I, I write from my understanding of it. So there can be tons of information and it can be very confusing, but if you want, I, I like to keep things simple because jargon, jargon can throw people off. <laughs> and, and I don't want that happening because I personally don't like it myself as well if I have to refer to the dictionary every 10 words or so. <laughs> so I love, I love to keep it simple. Uh, and uh, thank you for bringing up that, uh, the shadow work and um, the ikigai as well. Yes. So yes, I initially I did. I actually did Ikigai for myself as well. And then that's when I when I was doing the research for the book, when I came to know, oh, wow, this is great. So this is not the true picture. This is not everything. And then I was into researching that. So and then I also understood what I was doing with that information. Like, okay, it, there is some amount of truth to that, the, the, the Ikigai. But then everything about everything today is so commercialized, right? But is that the true value in it? Are you going to get, okay, I can absolutely enjoy this cup of tea. Or am I going to make money out of drinking tea? Like, why does everything have to become about money in a way? Does everything have to be that? Everything you that brings you pleasure have to be about that. Mm -hmm. No, you and and if it is that, like, is it also in alignment with you, right? So you have to ask yourself these questions, and you know, from that identity, what all you can do. So I have the whole uh, grand picture for everybody to to mix their ikigai and their identity and marry those things. <laughs> yeah, but but exactly, it's ikigai is a lot about you know, like what are you really naturally good at what do you love to do where can you earn money and everything is connected in this graph which is shared but the original one does not connect everything to make money it's just like what brings you joy as well right where can you fulfill your life yeah it's separate yeah it's, it's separate. separate right yes so so you know okay this is where i really fill myself up with mm -hmm joy with lightness with with creativity and here is where i really 
can do this and that for earning money. And here's where I really can give back to other people, um, which is not always the same, right? So I did the exercise on my PDF. <laughs> I could write stuff in. So I, I did that. Not as nicely drawn, but at least text-wise. So I, I enjoyed that part as well, uh, seeing it in a different way. It's kind of liberating, right? Because like, okay, I don't have to think about making money all the time. Um, so, so that's how it is. But um, any other aha moments from writing the book or coaching other people around, you know, self-love? We didn't touch up yeah. on uh, there was this, I'm a firm believer because I, I, thanks for bringing up this question, uh, Oliver, and for the listeners, this is, I believe in the power of, uh, sharing your story because the day I shared my story, like, this is where I figured out I am unsafe through the process of telling like myself, revealing to myself my own story. What was my core story? What was running my show? I am unsafe. That was a huge aha moment. And people, this is the reason why I have uh, storytelling uh, and public speaking. This is something that I'm like, when I when people talk on platforms, huge or small, doesn't matter, but how much they are in alignment with themselves. So, so much of public speaking has to be in complete alignment on the inside because your body language explains and gives away everything. If you are walking, pacing the stage left, right, and you know, left to right, left to right, it's nervous energy. If you stand in one place, you stand in your power, that is you knowing what you have to say. Again, a lot of people are very quick to speak whatever it is they want to say. And people think that, oh, if this person is able to talk to you very quickly, they are powerful in a way or whatever. Or they're like, you know, Tony Robbins, rah, 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 rah. I know there must be some listeners who are Tony Robbins fans and all that stuff, not saying that's wrong. But here's the thing. If everybody's going rah, 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 that doesn't necessarily mean confidence. Don't confuse that. Confidence doesn't come from, you know, being able to show you are like this and like that. No, it comes from knowing yourself as well and being in alignment with yourself and getting to know yourself. And here's the thing when I talk about public speaking, um, people, when they pause, especially people are very afraid of silence, but with meditation, you get so comfortable, and it is very important, so comfortable with pausing that people know what is about to come after that pause is very important. So they will be prepared to listen. And then they're going to absorb that information because where is that coming from? It is coming from the speaker, from a place of deep knowing. That's where the confidence comes and that's where they're going to believe the speaker when they share their story. And now when it comes to sharing the story, uh, I talk about, okay, so I had this client I worked with. She was interested in 
uh, telling her story. So I have a whole public speaking program. Um, I call it the ultimate uh, public speaking blueprint. And within that, I also have just the ultimate storytelling blueprint. So she was interested in that. Um, we worked for five weeks, Oliver. And for the listeners, this is information. Uh, this was a very young girl who had not had her period in 10, in 10 years. So there is a condition, uh, a body condition, maybe where the weight is so low, uh, for whatever reason, her identity was tied to that. Through the story, we came to know about that. In the process of, the, of revealing the story, we came to know about that. And so while she's in those sessions with me, I help her show love to herself, show kindness to herself. And so this is what she experienced. And exactly a month ago, I check in with her. I asked her, how are you doing? Because she mentioned to me, she was doing something about the period thing. She said, I'm taking traditional Chinese medication, uh, but I don't think, but my period came back. That's what she said. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is why I'm sharing the story with the listeners is because that's how powerful I know self-love can be. And especially if you are looking for a coach, you want to look for a coach. And if you've had unsafe or judgmental people around you, toxic relationships, if you want to find somebody who can work, who you can work with, I will offer you to work with someone you feel the safest and someone who's not going to judge you. And when you are held in that space, miracles happen. And this is the miracle that happened for a woman who was not getting her period for 10 years. So when I checked in with her, she said, my period did come back, but it was not big. I don't think it was because of the traditional Chinese medication. I think it was because of the self-love and self-acceptance. Mm -hmm. And That's this, a huge, huge uh, testimonial. Yes, so that means it shows like that you give the space to the people, um, to the people you're coaching, to find themselves and love themselves. Uh, it's also a bit Eckhart Tolle. When I read his book, he thought he's a healer uh, until he realized it's the space he gives the people he's yeah. with. Um, yes, the non-judgmental. Yes. presence yes. um and i think you know when you mentioned tony robbins i can see how powerful and he is confident in what he's doing but that's his way it's yeah his expression and that's what you probably meant it's not everyone has that way of expressing himself or herself yeah. um so do not aim to be him um and and i've not been in any class with him but i've talked to two three people and one didn't believe in his energy. And he's just said he was there and he could feel him. Even though he couldn't see him, he expected him to come from the stage, from the front, but he came from the back. And he could just simply feel Tony Robbins's presence because he's so much in his body that he's mm. spreading it out, right? Fill your cup first, whatever it means, however you want to share. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Stephen King is probably expressing himself through the book writing of these horror stories. So people are actually really drawn into these stories and they really feel them because it's mm. his true expression. Mm. Um, whatever. I mean, he's probably getting rid of a lot of traumatic experiences by writing <laughs> these things. I do not know. 
not heard him in an interview, but this is true. So what I get out of this interview so far is, um, you know, writing is powerful. I had an interview yesterday, which will come after that show due to your, um, your book, which comes out. And she also said, Oliver, write down, start journaling, start asking yourself these three, four questions and just start writing. Mm. Tim Ferriss is talking about that. I mean, since yeah, we are 2021, I listened to him in 2013. So that must be like five, six years, morning or evening journal, just write. Um, somehow something is holding me back. Writing a book for you said you, you learn so much because it's so powerful. I'm like, should I write? I had this idea, but there's no idea in the head what to write about. And you said you didn't believe that you will write anything before you're 50. And <laughs> now you have your book and it has been so liberating. Um, you know, the power of meditation, of getting to know your feelings, your thoughts, your, your being, what, what's happening in, inside your body, inside your head, the mind, the, the shadows, the false identities, um, <laughs> ikigai or whatever. I, yeah. I'm going to learn it. <laughs> Depression, self-expression, um, yeah, the inner conflicts we have, your stories. It's so much. But there's one thing which I've been writing big down and we have not really talked about it. Uh, the asking the questions with yourself. Never use why. Mm. Um, but use what and how instead of yes uh you okay so why is a very good question don't we don't want to put it away completely yes but here's why i i it's a good very good point that you're bringing up and uh, this is something i realized when i was communicating with my son so i have training and coaching uh with an institute called coach you and so it, you ask a different sets of questions. And then uh, instead of saying like what questions they help you pe help people think in a different way and you start to think about it. Okay, what can help me? So you think one, two, three, you think of a little bit more strategically um, and allow yourself to think in a certain different way. When you put the question, especially if you have been judged, and let's say you are, as a child, you have been judged, and the people continue to ask you, uh, to ask you, Oliver, why are you doing this? Uh, and then there is a certain tone, of course, there is a certain tone in a way you can say, I can ask very nicely, uh, why is it that you are doing blah, blah, blah? And there is, this is gentle, but then why can also, people may question, oh, why is something wrong like why oh, oh because they are so used to being judged they start to judge themselves and this can hold them back it's a good question but here's where the meditation uh, if you practice that then you may be better able to handle a question why and be able to pose it in a very sensible and sensitive way so your language changes completely language toward yourself a language for others. So this is where I also understand patterns, word patterns people use um, and toward to, to themselves when they're speaking. And when they're speaking to me, I'm able to note these 
and that's that's language of the subconscious. And so the question you, you're asking, the what and the how, that's those are better to ask, especially if you're someone who has not practiced meditation enough for you to hold yourself in a non-judgmental space. Yeah. So, so when you're not yeah, when you're not yet in in ah through meditation or whatever you make, so you're you're still judging yourself. So you should not use why. Yeah. I just came up yesterday. I, I bought a stone ring a few years mm. back, really nice. Mm. And then I was wearing it a few days, and and I told my daughter and my son when they looked at it, please do not drop it. This is stone, not metal. It will break. And yesterday I found it in my fitness bag because I couldn't see it. I'm like. Oh, I want to wear it. And it dropped from my hand. And of course, six pieces. <laughs> oh. And those, of course, are then like, why did that happen? Right. So if you're in a judgmental state, you're like, ah, because you're always uh, uncareful, because you're clumsy, because the things you like are falling down, etc. etc. Exactly. But but then I was looking at it and I'm like I was on the phone with a friend because of Christmas shoppings. And then I'm like, ah okay whatever i loved it but i went and got the five or six pieces i found i don't know if there were more <laughs> uh, it was in the gym and i threw them away and that's it i'm of mm. course sad and then but that also comes then with we are connected to material things right and then mm. you can see immediately oh this is just a ring it's probably 10 or 20 dollars or whatever i paid i have no idea how much it cost but then you get like so connected to this material thing and i guess mm. Meditation is one of the modalities, Qigong or Tai Chi or whatever else can help you to actually get disconnect yourself from this material connection and the self-judgment. I think that comes hand in hand to some degree. Um, and that's why the why question is probably uh, negative before you actually can, you know, hold the space yeah. of non-judgmental. Uh, yes and self-awareness right emotional awareness then you can say why oh because i feel like that okay why do i feel like that ah because of that and then you go deeper and you can actually realize your emotions then the why is okay if you're not yes. judging the answers you get yes and that uh, that's in a different space where like you know you're not up in the mind but more uh coming from a place of kindness to kindness uh yeah. and compassion for yourself Yes, I think I think we 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 take, took the whole circle. <laughs> I think, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's still a lot to learn. I mean, you have the different steps. You know, take step one, two, three, or five, and you know the values where you have the different values where you go and you highlight twenty values yeah. out of whatever fifty values you have, or something like that, and then you choose the five highest. And I realized my values are very connected to yours, even though I had similar values, which for me almost mean the same uh, and other exercises. It's really, really good. And you also mentioned in the book, if, if the reader just gets one exercise out of it from all these different exercises you have, you're more than pleased because the people will have something. And I also wrote in my review, I think you read the book, at least for me, for my personality, is reading the book and trying to apply a few of these exercises, see how they feel, right? Like mm -hmm. wearing a new cloth and then t-shirt, pullover, jacket, feel how it feels and, and go through the whole thing. So you kind of get a picture of the whole, how it's put together uh, because yeah. it's not, 
depending where you're on your journey, right? You know a bit of everything, but then you feel like, oh, here I can feel I get more out of it. You use that tool until yeah. it's, it's part of you. And then you can yeah. go back to the book and then feel what other exercise does feel right at the moment. And then you focus on that exercise. And that's yeah. how I was reading it. Um, yeah, it's something that you can come back to. So there's lots and lots of tools, something like a coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it should be. We, I don't have these coffee table things anymore. The books are read and then they're put in the shelf and then they're gone. And I, I, I realized that with many, many books, um, that I should have like a nice coffee table where I have like one or two books and then, you know, whenever, take it up and go through it. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned in the pre-show, let's see, I mean, whenever my my podcast is running and the things are in place, I'm also having an account on what it was it called. Um, not go, it's always going GoDad in my head. Patreon. In Patreon. Patreon. Yeah, in Patreon. Yeah. Patreon. I do not know yet what to offer there, but it could be like a pre-show or like a after show. So people can ask questions to the guests I have, which after the podcast, so we would stop the podcast and then people have 15, 20 minutes to ask questions. I don't know yet. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. Right. And now I don't know where I'm going because the talk was long. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, so we can talk about different questions there. But the book, generally, as I said, it's great. It's to be reread. And ah, yeah, what we said in the pre-show. There we go. Uh, sometimes I need some kind of bridges in my head. <laughs> it's We mentioned that you launched the book the first week of the launch, which is end of November 2021. If you listen yes. to this episode in 2030, Neha is a bit older than me as well. I have more gray hair by then. I've probably also written a book. But the ones which <laughs> listen it when it comes out, it's 99 cent as a Kindle version. Yes. And you also plan to have the printed version. When will when is that planned actually? Um, my birthday is coming in January. So I think it's going to be a good gift to align. And it's good to have uh, the book come out. It's good to have, like, you know, some feedback about the book, get the book picture review and create some sort of a yes excitement about it let it build of course like you know december it's a holiday season blah 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 january comes and goes very quickly <laughs> so i think by the end of january people were like oh we need to do something about this whole gym membership that i signed up for or something that i said i'm going to be doing. i think that's when i'm like okay this year is going to be my 2022 is going to be my wire for self-love book and we're going to get the physical copy of this book okay so I think, I think i think my that's going to be my birthday gift for myself and the rest of the world yeah. <laughs> who knows i mean who knows if you get feedback which will add some to version two or something like that you never know but you got already yeah. feedback and you edited it and um yeah, so i appreciate your feedback it's so so nice so <laughs> like i'm so glad to hear that it's it's working for people. So uh, I mentioned in uh, 
like in the book itself is not just one exercise, but one to two percent integrated. What I mean by that for your listeners, like if what you get out of this book is like slowly you are a little bit more of you. You're more wholesome and the world is going to benefit from your bringing your whole self and the work that you do with getting to know yourself and shadow work and integrating the parts of you that you do not love about yourself to the parts that you love about yourself, but you have hidden. When you bring all of that in and come from that place, you're a more whole person. Can you can a whole, more whole person give more of themselves to the world? Absolutely. And that is what I would love to, for it to happen for you. Yes. So you can express yourself, right? Go from the depression to self-expression by self-loving, self-accepting. And imagine you're a parent. I'm a parent of two kids. And you said the, the, the look from your son's eyes when you were being your mom, but you're not your mom, was just like this awakening moment. And in the other episode, we talked on the Oliver Shira show, which we will link to, you talk about your awakening in the desert of Jordan, I think it was, where you were in the mm -hmm. middle of the night, in the middle of the desert. Yes, you were there camping with other people, but still it was an aha moment. So these like these two moments, uh, it's just so important when you're a parent, even though your kids might be grown up, but you have this self-realization about who you truly are, and you're just so much more calm, less judgmental, yes. more accepting. Imagine the ripple effect you have through your kids. Now you raise kids which will not take drugs mindlessly, do um, uh, violence mindlessly. You know, they might because you're not yourself and you're aggressive or judgmental or whatever. They might go and hurt other people because mm -hmm. of how you act with them. And mm. these other hurt teenagers, whatever, will then go up and whatever. It might start wars, right? I mean, look at the politicians, the insecurity people have. And because you're insecure, so you need to suppress someone else. And by having self-love, you won't need that. And so yeah. it's a big, big ripple effect. You're, you're more accepting of yourself. You're more accepting of the people. You're more accepting of that stupid fucking idiot in front of you at the traffic which was cutting your way away instead of being all low in energy and you're not enjoying the dinner with your family because of that person you're now sending love and acceptance because you see that person differently because you accept yourself right yeah yeah absolutely and then because of that the you and especially parents you, I'm so glad you brought this up because if you are in an empowered place yourself, think about how you're going to pass that on to your children. It's a yeah. huge responsibility as a parent and that's how you can empower. So you don't necessarily, so having power is one thing. And this is where I talk about, um, I think towards the final chapter, I talk about where all this can be applied. And so within organizations or even institutes where people employ power to suppress, like how you're saying, instead of using, because they don't know their power. And once they know their power and they are able to empower others, is there need to suppress others? No, there isn't. And the whole world changes because of how you conduct 
yourself in a better way. Yes, and yeah, especially at workplaces, the acceptance that people are more productive on different times of the day would be just so beautiful to see because some people are morning people. They're just super productive between seven and nine or six and nine. I have no idea. Definitely not me. And other people are super productive in the evenings. I mean, I've been struggling a lot with my kids. I had more patience for the kids in the morning because, you know, there was nothing to expect it from a one-year-old or two-year-old, but just to be there. But I had to deliver them to daycare because they had to be there, not later than nine because of all the activities happened before 12, but you could pick them up at 12. And I started getting stressed because around one, two o'clock, I started to be more productive. I can see it now with the broken hand. Mornings just fly by and it's one o'clock, two o'clock. And then I start to be productive. And then I have my kids because I'm divorced now. Suddenly the kids are coming here one, two, three times a week or something else happens. And then I'm getting completely frustrated. But for me, my productivity time is in the afternoon somehow. Mm. Right. So for me, it should be the workout, the meditation, the whatever leisure thing should be in the morning. And then in the Mm. afternoon should be like the productivity because now I have done the fun parts there but that's me right and another person is probably from six to ten in the evening they're super active like these a lot of the writers um not everyone but i've heard in podcasts they write in the evenings they're night owls i do yeah (laughs) right so they're they're night owls and, (laughs) and then being an author you can write whenever but of course there might also be the early birds authors they get up in the morning and just start writing because that's what is right for them but being self-employed gives you this freedom but now in a workspace having this acceptance would be just beautiful but this would change the core belief of how industrialization works business works how to work around the planet right so you would have to break that core belief and for that we need more people which self-accept themselves love and don't judge and give the space Wow. Yeah, okay, we have to stop here, otherwise continue <laughs> for hours. But Neha, yeah, how can people reach out to you? Um, my website is called nehasoni.com. Uh, please go and buy the book. The link is in Oliver Hirak's shows uh, show notes, uh, and then yeah. Um, get in touch there's many ways you can get in touch in the book itself i have free resources you can find and you can newsletter on my website uh yes i do send out newsletters so you can subscribe yes i have a free gift also on uh, on my in my book it's nehasoni.com forward slash free and so you can subscribe to that you're part of my newsletters and i keep you updated with yeah. all the goodies and self-love yeah. Yeah, and there's LinkedIn. I mean, that's, I don't know how yes. we connected, if we connected over LinkedIn or Instagram. First, we connected over LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. through Mind Valley, I guess, and stuff like I that. I think so. I think so. And yeah, Instagram, you have also, you had a lot of videos on Instagram lately. Uh, I've seen. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I haven't been there all the time. Hong Kong <laughs> is not, it's my morning, morning walk in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> no but, worries at all. Yeah, but, LinkedIn uh, is one of the best ways. LinkedIn and my website is more than enough. Yes. For, for so, but we put the, the links as, as usual in sure. my show notes. Sure. And sure. with that, thank you so much, Neha. This was awesome. It was a bit crisscross, but we took it as it came, right? We took the topics as they presented themselves. And um, 
It was beautiful. Loving. Thank you so much for having me, Oliver. And thank you for uh, the listeners. I hope you get the maximum value from this episode, whatever Oliver shares. And I hope why for self-love does for you whatever I did for Oliver and much, much more. Thank you.